The great stories of human existence hum beneath the surface of every single life. Sometimes we choose to amplify them, sometimes we try to ignore them. Sometimes, foolishly, and at our peril, we struggle to suppress them. If you work at it, you might achieve a pretty good imitation of a tranquil, stable, uneventful life. But in my experience, that's never the real story, never the inside story. The big themes, love, pain, chronic insecurity, growth, disappointment, disillusionment, hope, faith, loneliness, tenderness, courage, frustration, betrayal, despair, joy, death, are always there, lying in wait, ready to seize the right moment to claim our attention. A tax accountant feels everything a poet feels, even if the emotional hues are not labelled with as much facility in one case as the other. The subtleties and varieties of the emotional life are as rich in a jockey as a judge, the foibles as irrational in a banker as a priest. Every client who comes to me for counselling, like almost everyone I meet, carries their shadow with them, though the presenting problem may not be consciously tragic or seem particularly serious. Even when the person has a bubbly disposition and the capacity to see the funny side of life, the unfolding story invariably exposes a substrate of grief or distress, yearning or despair. Sometimes it's the death of a child, sometimes the anguish of estrangement from a loved one, sometimes, often, the sense of never being taken quite seriously enough. The calibrations of grief vary from case to case, and so do its consequences, but there's a central story that almost always emerges, the story of people searching for ways to live with private pain. It's so fundamental, it might be an inescapable consequence of the human sense of mortality. But mostly, you don't have to aim so high for an explanation. You can find its cause in quite specific events in people's lives. The mystery is not usually why they are troubled, but how they managed not merely to absorb the blows that life has rained on them, but to triumph to strike out in new directions, to keep smiling at people who lie beyond the horizon of their grief. For instance, how do you learn to live with the memory of a child who suicided on the very threshold of adulthood? How do you rebuild your life, as one of my clients has done, after losing first one, then another wife to cancer? I'm never much help with any of this. I mostly feel like a bystander, interested and supportive, but ultimately powerless. I'm constantly amazed, though, by the strength of the human spirit. My neighbours in winter close are at least as fertile a source for these reflections as any cases that come to my consulting room. The Strutheridges, for instance, long-term residents at number one. Brian Strutheridge is more reclusive than his wife, but neither of them seems comfortable with the rest of us. They've not attended a single street party in the eight years I've been living here. Although Mrs. Strutheridge will pass the time of day with you if you meet her at the local shops, she fends off even the most tentative inquiries about her husband. Brian himself leaves the house each morning by car, his driving calculated to achieve the opposite effect to Chickas, and returns home after dark, summer and winter. He sometimes appears in the front garden on weekends, head down and a beanie pulled low over both ears, 
but he scurries inside if anyone approaches. The Nuyans in number three seem perplexed by the remoteness of the Stutheridges. Their next-door neighbours on the other side, Joe and Enid Riley in number five, are closer to the Nuyans' ideal of Australian neighbourliness, warm, accessible, responsive, but never intrusive. Mrs Nuyan, in a disarmingly self-deprecatory moment, once told me she would be quite pleased if Brian would complain about her children's violin practice. At least that would be a form of contact. But he's never complained about anything to any of us. Most of us have never even heard the sound of his voice. Walking home from the shops together, Mrs. Stutheridge and I occasionally engage in some inconsequential chat. Reacting to her wariness, I try to stick to safe, neutral topics. But on a recent Friday afternoon, she is far from wary.